So let's read this together, and then we're going to jump right in to Jeremiah, uh, to, the, to the sermon this morning. It's Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. And we're going to read a few scriptures this morning. Is it okay if we're in the Word this morning a little bit? Okay, good. All right, good. All right, so we're going to start in Jeremiah 29. And it says this, as everybody knows, but I want you to pretend like you've never read this, okay? This is God, talk, this is God talking to the Israelites as they're, as, they're, as they're in exile. He's giving them encouragement, building them up, saying, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't forgot the promises I made you. Okay, this is what he's saying to him. He says, he says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. This is not a prosperity sermon, okay? So don't go there. Um, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. This is my favorite part of the scripture. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all back from captivity. I'll be found by you declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And this right here, guys, it, it was, like I said, it was a reminder from God to the exiles who, of, of Israel who has been scattered throughout the earth to remember my promises. God says, remember my promises. Remember what I said. I have plans for you, plans to prosper you plans to see you uh, to succeed in the things that I've called you to. And he was telling them to cling to the promises that I've made. And we believe with all our hearts that as we follow Jesus, as I said earlier, as we submit, and I know as Americans we hate the word submit and surrender and obedience because we're a prideful people, right? No amens. That's what I thought. And we are a prideful people in this place. I promise you. And let me tell you, like, if we submit to his leading and his rule in our life, that our best days as people and as a church will always, always, always be ahead of us in the future. And which is pretty cool to think about. Think about this for, a, for an instance. Think about what the possibilities are if we would just say yes to what God is trying to do in our lives in this house. Because I promise you, whenever my wife Savannah and I said, hey, let's move to Pula. I promise you, I never thought we would be here today where we're at. Never thought God would be, I, I, it was, it's amazing. And we've already seen glimpses over a year ago. Just think about like just, just over, like barely over a year, just over a year ago, this body was meeting in a karate school, a small little karate school. And we, we, had, we had pipe and drape up, and we had kids meeting on the other side of some PVC pipes, and they were hollering and screaming while we were trying to preach, and it was wild. It was awesome, but it was crazy, like just over a year ago. And then God moved us into a, a school, and God provided for us. And again and again and again, every turn, he was providing and speaking and moving on the behalf of his people. And like, I, I, I love what he's doing. And if this is your first Sunday. I'm telling you, God is on the move. This past October, through a fast we did together, we, our body responded in a huge way, man. I showed you all the numbers a couple weeks ago during our Above and Beyond initiative. But my question this morning, as we read scriptures like Jeremiah 29, is but what now? This is great. This is, this is beautiful. Like, we watched them hang these sound panels this week and paint these walls. We set up to 5 a.m. one morning, hanging up sheetrock one morning. Yeah, but what now? But what now? Like, we, God's blessed us, but what now? What, what do we do from here? I told you about the, the verse in Amos where, where God says, Cursed is the person who is at ease in, in, in Zion. We cannot, we cannot move back. We cannot sit still. We cannot sit on our hands. And my, my, my thing for you guys this morning is I want you to hear this, is do not sit in this place this morning, today, and feel like we've made it of many more to go. This is just the next step of many more. And I think what trips up most Christians when God moves like this is we tend to think all of this is about us or, or, 
Or even worse, that it's for us. Kind of like, we've been so faithful to God, he must have looked down from heaven and said, man, I just got to bless those guys. You know what I mean? Like that, We think that sometimes, though, don't we? That's, that's kind of where we lean sometimes as believers. We kind of walk in that place. But listen, that's not how any of this works. Like This place right here that we're standing in is a tool, like Meredith was saying. This is a tool to be used to reach our community outside these doors and a home base to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we go into 2019, you guys individually, if you're saying, hey, I'm a Christian this morning, if you're saying that, if we're we're going to cling to the hope of the statement of the best is yet to come, if we're going to use that, we're going to cling to that, hallelujah, Jesus is so romantic to think about the best being ahead of us, Lord, thank you, then we have to understand something very clearly today, very clearly all of us, is that the best is yet to come only works if Jesus is in the driver's seat. That's the only way this will work. And not as your, as your co-pilot or as your, your homeboy or as your advisor or as your good luck charm or any of those things. It doesn't work that way. Only as Lord. Jesus is, is only as Lord is how that works. And, and, it's, it's, and we kind of balk at the term. Sometimes is when I'm talking to someone, we love the term Savior, but we, we kind of balk at the term Lord. Because we want to be saved, but bowing our knee to a Lord is different sometimes. You know, and that's not, that's not what it's about. And there's no between. And, and Jesus can't be just an add-on to your life, guys. He, Jesus can't be diminished to a spot filler on some priority list. He can't be. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he must be worshiped. And that's not something that is up for debate in this house, because that's what we believe in this place. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And our culture has taught us, man, to be soft on this. We, and, and, it's, and it's cheap and grace. And, and, he's, and basically our culture has taught us to leave that variable of human responsibility when it comes to actively following Jesus out of the, of the equation. You know what I mean? Jesus is going to save me because he loves me. Hallelujah. I can do what I want to. Now, that is not what it's about. If, listen, in church, all throughout this nation, we've had enough amens coming from audiences. Enough. It's time that we had some sincere and real white flags raised and palms opened, saying, God, whatever is mine is yours. I'm yours. Do what you will with my life. Coming to the end of myself so the real work can begin. Because we hold him back so often because we're prideful and we're scared to surrender, and it's time to declare war on sin and pass more giving ground to the enemy. Take a stand as men and as women and as a church and say, no more giving ground to the enemy. There's no more of that. There cannot be any more of that if we're going to follow Christ. It has to stop here today. There has to be a line drawn in the sand, and you, and you know where you stand at. Because there's so many times the church has just looked the other way when it comes to sin in our life. It's time to, it's time to deal with stuff. And it's time to walk forward in that. It's time to declare war on that. God told Joshua and the Israelites, whenever Joshua was taking over, for, 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 taking over the, the leadership of the Israelites, that they would possess every inch of ground that the soles of their feet touch. It says in Joshua 1.3, it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And all they had to do, all they had to do was faithfully go. Just take a step. Be obedient. And guess what? Guess who did all the work? God. God moved mountains. He moved heaven and earth to protect, to lead, to guide, to supply, to support, to push the Israelites into the future. 
He did the work. They obeyed. He was with them the entire time. And I believe the same promise is true for us as, a, as we reach out to our community. Every second, every minute, every hour that we invest, every blood, sweat, and tears that we invest in our community, every heart we touch, every ounce of influence that we gain will be ground taken back from the enemy. That's what it has. 2019 is this. question for you, 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 all around this room this morning, the question for Connection Church in 2019 is this. Will you go? Will you be the ones that go? Will you go? Will you go or will you sit on the sidelines? Will you go? Will you be the ones that, that, that God uses to reach the city and this county? Will you be the ones that God uses to reach the unreached places on the globe that he's already decided that he wants us to go to, but are we going to be obedient to go to those places that are unreached and reach the unreached people group for the, for the name of Jesus, man? Is that what we're going to do? When we, when we say, this is my question, when we say the best is yet to come, we wear our blue shirts, we wear our orange shirts and our white shirts and our black shirts and all the different colors of the rainbow. Do you really believe that? Do you believe it? The best is yet to come. Do you believe the best is yet to come? Do you know what the best is? Do you know what you're saying? Do we live like the best is yet to come? Or are you individually, me, are we destined for more of the same things that we walked in in 2019 because we won't let go of the control? And let me tell you, this is some hard questions that I've asked myself this week. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to us as a body, as a body of believers, as a, as a whole, me, you included, that there is, a, there is a, a, a culture of surrender that has to happen if we want to see the best is yet to come, if we want to see God move in a way like we see him move in Acts and all throughout Scripture. We have to, that has to be the way it is, level of dependency on God and our obedience to God. It, it always does. And, and, how, and so how is God going to use you to change the world around you? Because he's given you influence, supernatural influence. If you're a believer in Christ, he's put the Holy Spirit inside of you to be a vessel, a, a tool to be used for the kingdom in your, in your area, to be able, in your workplaces, in your families, in this church. He's given you gifts to be used to build the kingdom. How is God going to see you to use your family to change the communities that you live in? How is God going to use this church to build the community in this city, to build the kingdom around this world? And what I've learned as I've been praying and reading through Scripture this week, as I've been preparing for this, is, is where we go from here as a church, where we go from here as a church is always going to be based on three very simple things. Three very simple things. And the first one is going to be based on our level of surrender. Our level of surrender. And I have some bad news for us this morning. So buckle up really quick. Put your life jackets on. Whatever you want to do. Bad news. God if you look from Genesis to Revelation, I can't find one place where God is a part of my story or my plan. Does that make sense? He's not a part of my plan. And my, he's not a part of, he's not here to please me, right? He's not a part of my, but God doesn't exist for my purposes. He doesn't exist for your purposes. The American church, though, as about you, and it's definitely not about me. The culture around us has gotten that narrative all wrong. It's not about you, and it's definitely not about me. I'm sorry, and I'll give you a second to let that sink in because I know it's like a shot. What? Hold on. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Your existence is, and it can be, part of God's story, which is a better story. He's a much better writer, a writer of stories than, than I am and than you are. When you go from death to life in Christ, when you surrender your control to Christ in your life, you become saved. And his plans and his purposes becomes your plans and your, and your purposes. And think about this. 
this will show you how powerless that you and I really are in this life. According to Scripture, I'm going to share some Scriptures in a second. You can't even come to Christ unless he draws you. That, think about that for a second. You can't even come to him unless he draws you to himself. It says in Scripture. Your own salvation is his doing. Your own salvation is, is him. He is the one that sets it into motion, not us. The, thing, the things that you were created for, the purposes and plans of God before the creation of time were, were set in motion by him. If you don't believe me, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and let's read some scripture um, to, to kind of get some, to, some backing on this. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read the, probably the, the, the best gospel explanation in the scripture is uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through in which you used to live when you fought for you. You were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. As by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches in his, of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. And so you can see just from this one of many references what this is saying, that God set this in motion. The Bible is not about you or me. The Bible is about God. And you can look throughout Scripture and find this in other places like 1 Peter chapter 2, John 15, Jeremiah 1, Isaiah 43, 1 John 16, John 13, all throughout Scripture about God calling us, drawing us in to himself. points to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Every single word of Scripture points that way. He literally... He literally, you have to see this, and, I, and I'll hear this. God doesn't exist so that we can live our best life right now on this earth. God exists so that we can have life in eternity with him in the future. The best is yet to come, okay? No matter what a false teacher on, uh, on TV may have told you. Listen, Jesus is about bringing himself glory and about the salvation of souls. And he is literally, he literally stepped out of eternity and offered you a way back to him and away from our sin, and that, the sin that spiritually killed you and, uh, and me and separated you from God and brought you back. That's what we call redemption. Why? To bring himself glory, to bring himself glory. And so that you can be a part of God's story right here, right now, and of bringing him glory through your life, the way that you live, the way that you walk, the way that you follow him, and spreading the glory of his name to the ends of the earth, to all nations. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. We don't like that. We want more, though, don't we? He loves you, period. Not at some distant point in your life when you cleaned yourself up or, or get your life right and have enough money saved up or when you stop looking at porn or quit drinking so much or when you stop taking that drug to cope with life or, or, or when you start reading more or praying more or you get to a place where you feel like you have enough discipling somebody or obeying disciple somebody or when you feel smart enough to, on biblical topics to start discipling somebody or obeying scripture. None of that. We have to stop that, man. It starts now. God has a plan for you right now. This, in this moment, and it has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with his glory. All about him. 
And it literally, if, 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 you, if, you haven't, if you haven't noticed in the hallway, there's a 2,000 font uh, uh, sign that says, it's all about Jesus. And we really believe that in this church. It, it is all about Jesus, just in case you ever needed a reminder. But does that mean that God doesn't care about you? Not at all. Of course he does. But the way that you interact with God is not to make a list of things that you want him to do for you in 2019. No, we need to put our yes on the table. Surrender to him as he draws us, as he draws our heart, and then walk in obedience to what the word says and what his Holy Spirit leads us. That's how you do it. So our level of surrender. The second thing is our level of obedience. Those things are very, very closely related. And I remember a long time ago, in the land far away, when I was like eight years old or something like that, I was at a small church in Brooklyn, Georgia, and the pastor at Children's Church said, hey, What's obedience? And I'm like, I ain't got no clue, bro. And so he told me, he said, I remember this to this day. It says, doing what you're told, when you're told, with the right attitude. Obedience. I'm like, that's, that's, a, great, that's, a, great, that's a great definition. And so, listen, even David in Psalms 119, he says, I will hasten and not delay to obey your commandments. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commandments. And I have some more bad news, guys, for us as we try to follow Jesus is delayed obedience is always going to be disobedience. If you know what God's called you to do and you're delaying that, that's called disobedience. That's not called, I'm going to do it later. That's called, you're being disobedient to what God has called you to. And as we follow Christ, we're meant to surrender, man, to obey completely. Not to step back in, 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 in fear, but step up and knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to, going to see us through. And all this stuff about not being ready to do what God is calling me to do or, or, or it's not the right time, that can go out the window unless God is leading. Because God's timeline for God's commands were never meant to be set by me or you. You hear that? Like God's timelines for his commands and his, and his leadings has, was never meant to be set by us. When you read the truth of Scripture, of God's Word, or hear the word priest, or, be, or being led by the Holy Spirit to move and to act as you read, whether that's a sur to surrender your life to Christ this morning, or whether that's to join a connect group or move to another country and reach the people that don't know Jesus, and you don't move, guys, you're living in We have got to read us God's will, and that's scary. That's terrifying because, church, listen, we have got to rediscover a healthy fear of God in our lives. We have to. An awe and a wonder of who you are, Lord, of who God is and what he's done. And I, I think about a story every time I think about this, uh, about a, a missionary uh, named Jim Elliott. His wife was writing a, 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 a biography of him, and, and I was reading it, and this is one of the excerpts from it. And it was basically talking about how Jim had decided to go to Ecuador to to, to witness to an unreached tribe in the jungles of Ecuador. And this is what she said. She said, Jim devoted 10 days largely to prayer to make sure that this was indeed what God intended him to do. As he prayed, he was given new assurance and wrote his parents of his intentions to go to Ecuador. Understandably, they, with others who knew Jim well, wondered if perhaps his ministry might not be more effective in the United States, where so many knew so little of the Bible's real message. He replied, I dare not stay home. While these people perish, what if the well-filled church and the homelands need stirring? That's what the people asked. His response were, they have the scriptures, Moses and the prophets, and a whole lot more. Their condemnation is written on their checkbooks and the dust on the Bible covers. So here's my advice, guys, this morning as we're talking in church, is where are you at with God? Where are you at with your relationship with who 
He is and you look to and pray to when you're going through stuff. Because listen, here's my advice as you start this new year. My hope and my prayer would be that you would destroy anything that gets in the way of you obeying God. Destroy anything, anything that gets in the way of you obeying God for what he wants to do in your life. It's that important. In 1 Kings, when Elijah was passing his mantle of ministry on to Elisha, we see an amazing image of that devotion that I'm talking about in 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, you can read it on the, on the screen. It says this. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha's son of Shephat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He let, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And look what Elisha did. He went back, literally burned the things he knew that would cause him to turn away. Literally burned them. He burned the things that he knew that would cause him to turn away, turn back to his old life. He took what God said. He wanted to follow Scripture. He read what it said, and he did what it said. He wanted to follow it that closely. Elisha knew that if he didn't destroy the plow, if he didn't barbecue the bull, then when things got hard and tough, when things got to a place where like, I don't know if I can do this, God. I don't know if I can do this. He knew that he would turn back to that plow because it was what he knew best, and it was easy and steady work. Does, can anybody relate to that? L listen, uh, maybe you're saying, Michael, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but what's, what's holding you back from following Jesus like he was meant to be followed? I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about singing in the band or, or being in a connector. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about the details of your life where you're following Jesus because the, the purposes of your life were to reach the lost with the message of Christ. It says it throughout Scripture. That is what it's about. Anything else is a social club, guys. It really is scripturally based. Maybe you're saying, you know, Michael, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to obey. He's, he hasn't really spoken to me. The clouds haven't really parted, and I haven't heard him speak to my heart yet. But listen, guys, God's word is meant to be read and meant to be obeyed, not read and tweeted, not read and put on Facebook, not read and, and it's meant to be read and obeyed, read and followed. It's simple. At Connection, we try to keep it simple for everybody because you have a simple pastor. Listen, simple-minded, not smart. Read the Bible and do what it says. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. That's literally, that's literally, that's, that's, that's it. Read the Bible and do what it says. Follow the word. And as you put the word in your head, it works its way down into your heart. And as it works its way down into your heart, it works its way out your hands. Because it starts to change who you are. Hebrews tells us that the word is, is living and active. And as you consume the truths of Scripture, it changes your heart. It changes your life. It releases the voice of the Holy Spirit to be able to work in your heart as he recalls the pages of Scriptures that you've read and that you've consumed, and he will lead you. That's why David said in Psalms 119, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I've hidden. That literally means he, consumed, he, was, he was memorizing Scripture into his heart so that he would not sin against God. So have you read scripture and taken it literally? If you have, then you know, you know that going to the nations is not a suggestion. 
to decide on, but a command to be followed. Am I saying we should all go? No, I'm saying there's, there's, different, there's different avenues we can take in reaching the nations. It means you know that making disciples is not something that's optional. It's not something, well, I just don't feel like I'm equipped to do that. No, listen, making disciples is a command. You got on. And, and loving other people isn't something that, that we debate God on. It's not something where we can just fight back with and say, you know, I don't really like those rules. Can we change? Can we make some tweaks here? That's not how it works. Listen, anyone, 1 John 2, 6, anyone who claims to be in Christ must walk as Jesus walked, is what it says. Anyone, anyone who claims to be in Christ must walk as Jesus walked. Does that mean you have to walk sinlessly? No. You're human, man. It means you live in a constant state of surrender. Obedience, Lord, I want you. Dependency on the Father because you know that you can't do it without him. Because anything else is called self-reliance, and that's a sin. It means you have to be, you have to, you've stopped with that pursuit of, of self-gratification, making much of myself, making much of ourselves, and, and patting my pockets, and, and all those things, and, and living to see him glorified throughout the earth. That's what it means to love Jesus. And never, ever underestimate how big, how big God can move through one small act of obedience. Never, never underestimate that. And that puts us to our last point. Where we put our trust, where we go from here, is going to be determined by where we put our trust. Where we put our trust. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says, saying, What does it mean, all your heart? What does it mean? As we read scripture, we can't read over words like that. What does it mean? With all your heart. That means everything I have, I'm trusting in God. Every ounce of energy, every ounce of money, every ounce of love, relationships, every ounce of work, I'm trusting God with everything I have with all my heart. And then it says, lean not on your own understanding. No, that makes sense to me. In all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. So my question for you this morning, on top of everything that I've already asked, is where are you putting your trust? Where are you putting your trust at this morning? Are you putting your trust in yourself? Uh, can, you, can you save yourself? Can you, can you? No, you cannot. Are you putting in your money? If I make this amount of money, I'll be happy. I'll be set for life. But, but my question is, what amount is that? Because once you get to that point, guess what? It's, it's gonna, it, needs to, it needs to grow, right? Right, because I mean, yeah, it's what it, it's what it looks like. Is it your job or your accomplishments or your promotions? Is it your family? Are you are you worshiping your family? Is it some? Is it what other people think about you? How you look? How you dress? How much you weigh? How, what clothes you wear? All these things. What is it? What are you putting your trust in? And so, I need to ask every single person in this room: Have you put the full weight of your trust in the finished work of Jesus? And about that, man, because this is have you this morning. And if you haven't, we need to do something about that, man, because this isn't relative. This isn't something that can be true for me, and it might not be true for somebody else. Because truth is truth, no matter whether we believe it or not. It is. Man, no matter what our culture tells you, that's fact. Okay? Let's, let, we can do a test about gravity if you want to. Um, so, it can't be relative. If, if this book is true, if what I read in this book is true, then there's no time to waste trying to decide when you start walking in God's love. There's no time to waste. And I know I'm talking to a lot of people when I say, do it or don't do it. 
but stop straddling the fence. Because for too long, the world has, has been confused about where the church is and where it stands in our attempts to be relative. The church has become weak, but it's time for that to change. And it can change by one, by one, we begin to take Jesus at his, at his word. We begin to take Jesus seriously at what he's saying. And what all this means is, have you treated Jesus to the point, have you trusted Jesus to the point where it's changed your life? And what I've seen in a lot of churches, and I saw a, a sermon this week um, from Passion, and the Fashion 2019. And it's, if you don't know what that is, go look it up. It's pretty cool. Um, and basically, it was the whole theme of the weekend was talking about being an unbelieving believer. And I thought about that. I meant, man, that is, our, that is the church as a whole these days. Like, we're, we say I'm a believer, but do I believe God when he speaks in his word? Do I believe God? Now, I'm going to take you through some of the things that the sermon was talking the, the Bible says Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. His belief created action in his life. Noah believed God so much that he built an ark because God said it was going to rain. Had it ever rained on Noah before? No. Noah didn't know what rain was. But God said it was going to rain. You need to build build an ark, Noah. Guess what Noah did? Started hammering away at an ark. Didn't know how to build an ark. God told him how to build it. He trusted and believed God. David the, the little guy, David believed God as he hurled stones at his nine-foot giant. I, I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm six foot. Peter believed God as he stepped out of the boat to walk on water with Jesus. Daniel believed God whenever he was in the lion's den and God shut the mouths of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed God in the furnace when the flames were hot. They believed joy at the top of the hall in Silas believed God in prison so much that they sang for joy at the top of their lungs because they knew, they knew that what, that what was happening, that what was coming, that what was coming down the road was far greater than anything they had ever experienced or were experiencing in that moment. They knew. And following God, guys, may look foolish to the outside world. It may look foolish to those around you, the people that don't believe in Jesus, who have never experienced the work of God in their life. But listen, don't let that hinder you. Follow Jesus without limits this year. Follow Jesus without limits today, now. Start now. Say yes without hesitation. So what's holding you back? What could possibly? Answer this question for me, please. I'll stay here all day long listening to the questions, to the answers. I'll stand right there. If you have an answer for this, I would love to hear it. What could possibly be more valuable than the offer God is making you through Jesus? Salvation. The salvation of your souls. What could be more valuable than that? What could be more valuable? The salvation of your soul. And today I know there are some people in here that, that as I pray, that need to surrender your life to Christ this morning. And my, my advice to you is don't delay. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It is. And there's other, other people in here this morning that need to stop putting it off. As we close today, we're going to sing a couple more songs together. That's why we only had two at the beginning this morning. Worship him today like he was meant to be worshipped. He is a king. He is a king to be worshipped. Worship him in that way. Give him the blank page of your life this year, man, and I promise you, you'll see God do amazing things. 
Let's let him as a church, let's let him lead into 2019. Let's let him lead as we seek the broken and the lost. Let's let him lead as we seek the unreached of this world. And let's praise him as we know. Guys, this is only the beginning. This building is it's nothing. This is only the beginning of what God wants to do. I'm excited. Are y'all excited about this? Like, God, it's only the beginning. And so this morning, if you're here this morning and you're tired of playing games with God, man, because I know there's people in this room that have been fighting with God for a long time. I know I need to, but I just haven't. It just hasn't been the right time. I haven't felt right about it. I don't like that whole surrender talk. You know what I mean? Listen, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to turn your life to Christ and let Him lead. All He asks is for you to take the first step, and He'll do the rest. And so this morning, if that's you, I would personally like to pray with you. And if, and if you don't like me very much, we have a prayer team that would like to pray for you. And so I've never done that before. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day I need to turn my life to Jesus. And I've never done that before. At Connection, we like to ask you to be bold. We like to ask you to raise your hand because we like to celebrate. We don't like to point you out. We like to get on our feet and celebrate what God has done. And so if that's you this morning, if God's moving in your heart, and you want to make that decision today, would you just raise your hand so we can pray with you, please? Is that anybody this morning? Okay. This morning I, I mentioned about burning the plow and barbecuing the bull. I know for a fact that's a lot of us in this room, including myself. So if that's you, come get that right. Man, we'll have people at the back door if you want to pray with somebody. We'll have this altar wide open if you want to come down and lay some stuff down at the altar. If not, just worship God like he was meant to be worshipped because he's good and he loves you. Even if you've rejected him today by turning away, he still loves you. And so let's pray and then we'll worship. God, we love you. I thank you for who you are and what you've done, Lord. I thank you for the cross. I thank you, Father, for, for, for loving us even whenever we were unlovable. I pray that you would just move in this place. God, change our hearts, change our church, change the, the landscape of this place. God, change the landscape of this city. Father, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen.